Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host, Clay Bloxham, and I'm joined by Dan Club and Farrell Keeling. I've nearly said it wrong again for the third time running. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a depressing podcast, I'm not going to lie, this week, guys. Um, the Reds are in a real tough patch. Um, we obviously lost against Leeds 2-1, losing pretty much a last-minute winner. Um, and if losing a last-minute winner was our only problem, Dan, I wouldn't be... I'd be able to get over it a bit more. But it's been the performance, the energy, the intensity. It's been pretty much everything that's gone wrong with Liverpool at the moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We're stuck in a rut, aren't we? Like, like you say, if it had been sort of a one-off, you know, half-decent performance and we just happened to sort of come out on the wrong side of it because their goalkeeper, which he did, had a wonderful game. But had that have been, like you say, sort of a one-off, you know, exclusive outing, then you'd go, oh, yeah, these things happen. But it's not. It's a case of we've seen this many times already this season. Um, obviously, on the back of the Nottingham Forest as, one, as well last week. Um, and it's so strange because it's almost like we're a half different side in the Champions League. Like We're not exactly all-conquering or free-flowing, but we're not far off. And then it comes to the Premier League and we just can't put anything together at all. We're really stuck in a rut. And the biggest problem is like there's a million different people out there with a million different reasons as to why it's happening. No one seems to know exactly why. And I think we spoke about this, like, away from podcasts and stuff. I think that's reflective in the fact that Klopp and Linders et al. can't put the finger on it and they can't seem to fix it either. So it's really concerning. Yeah, and Farrell, I think I think the, the hardest part about it to try and wrap your head around is we were two games away from being the greatest <laughs> side to ever do it last year. We could have won absolutely everything that was up for grabs. And in the space of, of what, three, four months, we're now a team that is closer to the relegation zone than we are to top four. And it, it feels like that side, we are a shadow of that side, but we've still got all the players who have gave us the best moments. No, absolutely. I think it's, it's that point that we really need to focus on because the, the reality is it's not like Madrid has come in and raided five of our best players and we've been left a shell of the side. You know, the performances certainly indicate that. But the reality is we're still left with the same team. We're left with the same world-class players. You know, Fabinho, for instance, you know, who was it that came out, I think it was recently, and said, oh, you know, he's lost his... Today, I think it was, someone, a pundit came out and said, Fabinho's lost his legs. He's getting old. He's 29 years old. He's 29 years old. Like, he, on the Madrid point, look at their midfield and look at the quality they're still delivering on the pitch in, in their mid-30s. He, he's not too old. His legs haven't gone. I, I think it, it's a similar theme, obviously, to what Dan sort of, and, and yourself have touched on, and that they can't put their finger on it. I think that's a positive, but it's also a glaring negative because, you know, we're getting to the World Cup now and we keep seeing that, you know, we, have, we win a game and we go, Liverpool have turned the corner, we lose the next one, Liverpool win again and we go... Now here is the second coming of this. We turned the corner. Uh, the World Cup can't come soon enough, can it? No, um, I've I've never don't care for international stuff. I mean, I love a World Cup when 
it's, you know, in the middle of summer and there's absolutely no other football on and it entertains you. But right now, I I can't wait. I cannot wait for this World Cup. Um, and I'll come back to you because I don't know how we analyse the Leeds performance against every other performance this season because... I thought the first three minutes we were great and then we go and concede a stupid goal that literally sums Liverpool Football Club up at the moment. Then I thought once we got the goal, instead of giving us the bounce to go and get another, it really didn't do that and it was just a bit cagey. And I actually think Leeds were very unlucky not to be 2-3-1 up at half-time. They had, uh, it was like a pitch-perfect of, picture-perfect of, what happened against Nottingham Forest where we just leave a man at the back post to do whatever. We don't like picking him up. And I think Jack Harrison in this instance gets on the ball. That's put across from a free kick. And he hits the bar with it. Two minutes later, he's got a 1v1 v Allison. Allison saves it. And I thought, get me into half time. Get Jürgen Klopp to, to have a go at them. And then maybe, just maybe, you know, we, we'll look a bit better. But then the 10, 15 minutes of the first half was just as worse. The second half was just as worse as the first half. And it, it really, Liverpool only had a, a really good spell for about 10, 15 minutes. And it was that was just before we go and concede another ridiculous goal pretty much near the end. So it is, Liverpool can't stay consistent anyway for 90 minutes. But it's feeling like we can't even be consistent for a half. Never mind, 90. It's not just one problem at Liverpool. It's about 10 and they're all going on wrong at the same time. What do you put it down to and how do we how do we strip it back and go back to basics? Strip it back to basics is a really important point actually on that because I feel like that's something we need to do. And I, I said something similar before we played Man City and it felt like we just needed to get like the spine of our team together because all this chopping and changing of formations, like it's as if... We hit that new formation a couple of weeks ago, the 4-2-3-1, everyone went, oh, that, that's it, that's what fixes it. Turns out it wasn't, because there's still bang average even with that. Um, and this this diamond formation that we've currently, currently started playing isn't it, isn't it at all, doesn't work, there's no structure to it. Um, the, the width we have has just vanished, quite frankly. The left-hand side is Andy Robertson exclusively. Um, so it... It's almost as if, like I touched upon earlier, Klopp and Linders are both just saying, oh, we just need to change things. I think it was after the Brighton game, it's come out that they both sat down and said, we need a major change. And their major change is the formation and they're just tinkering with it. And I know they're stuck with what they can and can't do with injuries and absentees and fitness and all the rest of it. I'm fully aware of that. But at the same time, it's like that 4-3-3 that we've had for so many years and has worked so well. We've just thrown that away now. We've gone, oh, we can never play that because clearly it's been found out. I'm not sure that's the case. I just don't think we were playing very well. I think the formation wasn't necessarily the problem. I just think we were out of form. If I was Klopp now, moving forwards, up, up until the World Cup, this little break that you rightly say we need really badly because we do, I think us as fans, the players and the management and staff need it. I would be going back to the 4 3 3 and I, I'm fully aware it doesn't work in terms of personnel. Like, who plays the left-hand-sided role out of Firmino, Nunes and Salah is anyone's guess. You'd probably look at Nunes, but then you might be looking at Carvalho, Curtis Jones, even Harvey Elliott, perhaps. But, I mean, listen, I think there's fatigue there. I think there's mental fatigue there. I think the hangover from last season still a thing. 
People are talking about the World Cup being a couple of players' minds, perhaps. Um, injuries are a factor, like I've already said. But for me, changing formation every week and trying to tinker with it that way isn't it. It's not working. Like for a game here and there, like I think I can't remember which game it was now when we first seen the 4 2 3 1, and all of a sudden the whole fan base went, There's your problem. There's, it's all fine now. Nah, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. So. I'd revert back to four three three because it's what we know best. It's what we do best. Like we just look so disjointed against Leeds. Like at no point did we have any real control of that game. And let's be honest, they're bang average. And Nottingham Forest, like we were so poor against them, and we've just seen what Arsenal did to Emily this afternoon. They absolutely dismantled them. They were miles off it, and they made us look at a similar level. So yeah, major problems. Um, but yeah, nothing that can't be fixed without just going back to basics a little bit, like you say, and asking your key players, your Virgil van Dijk, your Thiago's and your Salas, just to do what they do best. Yeah, and, and Farrell, what, what do you think the... What can we put the main reason down to? Is it a hangover of losing out on you know the, the Champions League and the league in, in the final games of the season? Is it a case of you asking the same group of players to go for like the fifth or sixth time? I I don't know with this group whether they have it in them or even care enough to go through the pain you need to go through to win a football game. I feel like they look a little bit burnt out, both physically and mentally. How do you overcome that? Because it's now, what are we, 11, 12 games in? You've got you've had twelve games to try and sort something out, and it's still not working. So what what do you say? What do you do with these group of players to get them just looking a bit brighter? I, I think there's something in Dan's point about switching back to the four three three, which is something I never thought I'd say because we did, you know, they tweaked the formation around. We're now with this diamond, which is you know, but the Liverpool fan hasn't seen since the days of Brendan Rodgers. Um, we've switched to the four-two-three-one, which you know again seemed seemed to work at the time. So we know a formation change, a radical formation change, isn't going to be the difference maker here because it's not about tact. I think that I think Klopp and Linders have been responsible for some poor, poor tactical decisions, but I don't think that's the main reason. But also the problem with Liverpool at the moment is there isn't one clear thing we can point to and go. That's the reason why we're playing poorly. It's it's. It's a mixture of so many factors that just can't be solved overnight. There is, I think you're spot on, you know, with the, with the hangover from last season. I think there's an emotion, you know, it doesn't, Liverpool were two games effectively away from, from this Liverpool side were two games away from sealing their place in the history books with, with that quadruple. It didn't happen. It was still an incredible season that we'll all remember, but, you know, perhaps one that won't be as celebrated rightly by our rivals. Um, there, there are too many problems to just solve with the formation change. I think, Going back to something that's potentially familiar in the 4-3-3 and sticking with that until the World Cup and going, right, here's where we are with the points. Let's, you know, the players that aren't going to the World Cup and that can rest, those that are, I mean, they're out of form, so probably not going to get that many minutes. I I, I think I don't want to... I I think signings are necessary. The the problem is it's far too easy to just go, we'll just sign a few players in January. Because you have to you have to look at how Liverpool have recruited historically. You have to look at Klopp's preferences. Klopp isn't just going to sign whoever just to fill a gap. He's going to have a select pool of players that he wants, and anyone below that is going to be a disappointment. 
Um, that's 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 just the reality. That's why Liverpool become so successful to this point. Um, whether we then need to question whether Klopp does need to lower his standards slightly in a January window just so that we can have a, a vaguely sort of functioning midfield because we can look at the midfield and go, right, perhaps, I mean, that's certainly the one department that hasn't been functioning as cleanly and given how you know, in, integral that part of the pitch is in terms of being able to let our fullbacks play the way they do in terms of providing the industry so that our front three can thrive. It's one It's one area we can address. The question, of course, is how, to what extent is that going to impact on sort of positive, consistent positive performance performances going forward because there is the hangover to consider. You look at players, I've mentioned Fabinho already, who's probably had the biggest drop-off of them all. And, and we, know, we know we can't doubt his quality. You know, the man hasn't just suddenly become a crap player overnight. Um, there's, there's something going on there. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold told the club's website today that some, something isn't right uh, with, with the team, but it's, it's not one, there's not one simple solution. There's only, I hate to say it at the moment, but damage control. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, but Faddle, I think the players have to look at themselves. Um, I, I do. I think it's got to a point now I mean, that second goal, it was a shocking ball by Thiago. It was then awful by Virgil van Dijk. Milner then cleared a ball that went absolutely nowhere and just to their player. We then didn't get out to them. Then I think he had about four men around him and he still got off a shot. Virgil, half-heartedly, he, I'm so sorry, and maybe it's because I hold Virgil to such high standards, but he isn't getting out to people as quick as we need him to. These players aren't, like, I, I, they are professional footballers. They know the basics of football. They know what is needed to win a game of footy. And yet I'm not seeing the same amount of effort. I don't know what it is. But last season, if Virgil van Dijk was in a 1v1 situation, you backed him all the time. Now I'm not sure you do. Every ball that had come Virgil van Dijk's way, he's already be on it. By the time that player tried and closed them down, the ball had gone to Robbo and we'd be back on the on the charge. It doesn't feel like it this season. It feels like everyone's a half yard off or second guessing themselves. And we've spoke about tactics, we've spoke about formations, we've spoke about Jurgen Klopp and players being, you know, tired or whatever. But these players have to get through it themselves, which means they have to look at themselves as well. I don't know what what do you think, Pharrell? Because I I just think like it's it's beyond me how you've had these world-class footballers who now just feel a yard too slow b something in the mind is is second guessing them and it just feels like they never touch tight to anyone i'm gonna i'm gonna bang the january window drum again and i'm, I'm gonna go from the perspective of last season uh when we were in a far better circumstance um you look at sort of the difference uh, a louis diaz signing made you know we, we, in terms of re, re, re-energising our run for the quadruple. Now, obviously, again, we're in a completely different circumstance here. We're not um, as nowhere, nowhere near confident of anything like a quadruple happening uh, this season. Obviously, things can change so quickly and so dramatically um, over the course of half a season. But I think bringing in that sort of ounce of quality that sort of you know, a, a sort of, you know, gets the rest of his teammates sort of looking around and going, oh, you know, we, we kind of need to step up our game here. I think that could definitely make the difference. Um, and again, I, I think that sort of signing needs to come in the middle of the park. The question, of course, is what can, who can we sign 
and can, who can we feasibly sign uh, in the middle of the season when, of course, teams are understandably reluctant to let, let their best talents go. I think the effort point's a hard one because if, it is genu- if it's genuine fatigue, um, just telling the players run harder, do X, do, do Y, do Z isn't going to do much. And you kind, of hope, you kind of look at the World Cup and go, well, maybe this is well-timed. Maybe this will be the, the perfect break the players need to kind of find that sort of extra yard, as you say. I, I think, I, I don't know, I, I, I worry when we get into this sort of territory, we're sort of, we get into the sort of discussions around sort of player arguments on the pitch and people going, oh, you know, there's something happening in the dressing room. Like, look at Klopp having a go at Fabinho, Klopp having a go at Van Dijk. I mean, Klopp's had a go at hard to make players on the pitch already this season, justifiably. I, I, I think... I think it's a hard solve, but I think if they can manage to identify someone who can immediately sort of come in in January and sort of get the other players talking, get the other players looking. Like again, the the Louis, a Louis, Louis Diaz sort of star signing that can come in, get the players talking, get the players looking and going right. Okay, we have to give a few extra hard yards here. Maybe that's the ticket for Liverpool. But I just don't know whether that player sort of currently exists in the market, or whether you know Cop would be prepared to sort of urge the club to spend the money. Um, when we know what we're supposedly saving for in the summer window. And Dan, are you a little bit worried with how much we've left ourselves to do in, in the, the transfer windows? Because I think we win, I want to say we win the Premier League. No, we win the Champions League and we sign Minamino and that's pretty much all we do. Um, there has been, if we, for me, it just feels like we need maybe a handful of players to just refresh it. You need fresh faces, and I don't want to turn around and talk about Pep Guardiola, but Pep Guardiola has been in, like recently interviewed, and he says, "How do you get these players to go again?" And he says, "You need to keep it refreshed. If you keep going with the same players, they can't do it. You need other voices in the dressing room. You need other faces, people who haven't had to go through this five seasons in a row, who." are down to do it and are going to work for you. Um, when the other players are a bit shattered, who that, have had to do it for six seasons in a row, well, we pull them through that. Mm. Are you worried that we're now relying on a January transfer window? You're hardly going to get really good players in terms of people aren't going to want to let them go or you're going to have to spend big money, which Liverpool don't really do. No, no, we don't. Um notoriously certainly not when it comes to January I think the Diaz deal was kind of an outlier because we were forced weren't we to do it because of Tottenham's interest um, and obviously Virgil van Dijk as well previously but that was kind of all sewn up in the summer earlier wasn't it so yeah I am concerned that we're leaving ourselves so much to do and I think you're right in terms of sort of five fresh faces and the point about asking the same players to go again and again and again certainly in Klopp style of play which is so intense and is so demanding and the training as well you've got to factor that in as well as games like the training is incredibly demanding so asking the same group of players to go time and time again and keep going to the well is difficult and thus so it proves like it looks really difficult at the minute doesn't it like asking Fabinho to go for the fourth or fifth consecutive season looks really hard on him right now it looks like he's almost incapable quite frankly um but yeah asking sorry in terms of transfers I am concerned, and I went on record a couple of weeks ago about this because I think sort of asking you're looking at maybe a ten or twelve player overhaul next summer if we don't do business in January, whereby 
Former five players leave the club, potentially Naby Keita, Alex Oxley-Chamberlain, Roberto Firmino, James Milner, just four off the top of my head, all out of contract next summer. You know, Roberto Firmino may well get a new deal. He probably deserves it right now, but as things stand, he's on his way out. You could probably throw a couple of others into there, maybe a Nat Phillips, a Reese Williams, you know, senior, you know, first-team members of the squad. Who knows what happens with the likes of Simicash? You know, he might sort of want to edge towards a move. I sincerely hope not. But he's a first-team player somewhere, isn't he? Not at Liverpool with Andy Robertson. So there's a lot of players there potentially leaving the football club. <clears throat> now, if we already think we need five on top of what we've already got, or four or five, all of a sudden you're up to 11 without even replacing anyone. So then you're looking at 12, 13, 14 players, which is a huge swing of players. Unprecedented, something that Liverpool haven't done for a long time. Like We've been so meticulous in our business to suddenly go from being... Oh, Gina Wijnaldum will leave, but it's okay because Thiago will come in and just do little bits of business like that. We've seen Sadio Mane leave, Darwin Nunes comes in. Little intricate things to go from that to 12, which could be six out and six in, is mayhem. And we think we're in a transition season now and we're trying to change things slightly now when this is a little bit tough. Fast forward 12 months when there's potentially 12 different first-team footballers knocking around. That is an absolute recipe for disaster, quite frankly. So, to finish my point, you have to do business in January because otherwise you're leaving yourself too much to do in the summer. I don't imagine there's going to be crazy money spent in January because it just isn't like us, like you've already said. But if you can get one or two through the door, maybe someone who's about to be out of contract, Comrade Lima springs to mind, you can get him through the door in January at a cut price deal because his contract runs out in a few months. Great. You get him in for the here and now, you give him a few months to settle in before next season, you know, you increase our chances of getting top four, Champions League, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think January is massive, not just to improve our chances now, but also you can't go into next summer needing to do all that business. Harold, do you think we've been a bit naive um, from top to bottom, from Jürgen Klopp to also our owners not buying people? Because... There is a situation now where I think we, we let go Divock Origi, um, we let go of Minamino, and yet we brought in Darwin Nunes, but we also sold Sadio Mane. So there <coughs> players who, and I don't care what you say, Minamino, I'd be dying for a Minamino right now to just come on and do something for us. I'd be dying for a Divock Origi because just someone to change the game. We had someone who could potentially change the game against Leeds, Ox, and... Ox cannot buy a game. I'm, I'm, I don't think Jurgen Klopp trusts in him. I really don't. Because if, if, if Ox isn't getting on the game like that, I, I don't know when his time is. You know, you're really looking at Derby in, in the FA Cup or whatever it is, and that really is your limit. Have we been naive in putting all our eggs in one basket and not just settling for, like Dan said, a limer who could come in and, and still be a potential first starter in a couple of years' time. I, I did read that line where I accepted a contract elsewhere at Bayern Munich or something that was pre-agreed. So maybe maybe he's not a good uh, example. But if you weren't going to get Jude Bellingham, you didn't get too many. So you've looked at Jude Bellingham. If you're not going to get Jude Bellingham, sometimes it is okay to settle for a second, you know, your second best player 
who can also get in a starting lineup because you wouldn't go from Jude Bellingham to someone absolutely woeful. Like, there wouldn't be that big of a drop-off. It'd be a Barella type of player or something who has a lot of quality. Have we been naive not buying those bodies? I think naivety is definitely part of the reason. I think loyalty is another. Um, I think the problem, the problem with loyalty is it's a big part of why Klopp's players will run through walls from him. But then it's also part of the reason why we, we, we get to this sort of stage and Klopp is... Part, a big part of the reason why Liverpool are here, well, were here fighting for a quadruple is because the pool of players Klopp generally tends to like to select are of a certain standard. We brought them in, they made us a better team. But then, like you say, when it becomes abundant that we're not going to get our absolute top targets, why we haven't made others a priority is mind-boggling. If we look at, even look at Mohamed Salah, wasn't our absolute top priority when we first bought him for Roma. I think it was the second, second option, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, and look how that turned out. So even a not top target can turn out to be a world-class, brilliant player. Uh, even the common line, I think, was only, we only actively sort of went for him in the dying stages of the window. As Dan said, you know, he's on an expiring contract. Why weren't we all over that sooner? Um, when we, as, soon as, we, as soon as it became apparent that a, a Tushimani or a Jude Bellingham or even reports about it, Federico Valverde, weren't going to be achievable. And given that we were able, we were willing to spend roughly in the region of 60 to 80 million pounds, I refuse to believe there wasn't another midfielder, perhaps not of that standard, but, you know, somewhere underneath. That was available for that amount of money. Maybe we might, maybe the recruitment team were looking and thinking, um, right, these these group of three players, you know, they're, they're absolutely worth the money. They're going to be fantastic for the next decade or so. Understandable. And then they looked at the compared to these other set of players under these and thought they're great, but they're not worth spending an extra thirty or forty million beyond what we believe they're valued. But then you look at sort of where Liverpool are now, of course, this season. And we're worrying about Klopp saying, you know, fighting for Champions League isn't even my worry at the moment because you've got to sort out the basics. And you kind of think the money, the financial damage, and the fact this could set, set us back years if we fail. To, I, I, I still think Liverpool will qualify for the Champions League, Champions League, just to make that absolutely clear. But if you look at the potential damage it could cause us if we don't make the top four spots, you, you'd have thought, right, it, it's worth sacrificing 20 or 30 million pounds in the summer just gone, even if it means buying a player for a little bit more than you would have been prepared to pay into what we value him. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think loyal, probably loyalty more than naivety. I, I think I don't fault the recruitment team for aiming high. I fault them for not lowering their standards when it's appropriate to. I, I think obviously Klopp has looked at this group of players. I, I don't know. I don't know whether he's seen us come so close to the quadruple and think it's inconceivable. I mean, let's be honest, it was inconceivable for all of us that the quality, the standards could drop this much this season. I don't think anybody could have predicted it. I don't think anybody could have predicted it. So I, I think, yeah, I, 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 it's, a, it's a multiple sort of facet of reasons, but I, I think the club have definitely made a mistake in not moving for anyone. I think Dan's absolutely right. We actually need to move in for at least one or two players come the January window and repair that damage pronto. Yeah, and, and just before we wrap up, Dan, I want to talk to you about the World Cup. Um, to me, I really couldn't give a damn whoever won the World Cup to a player. However, it is possibly the biggest trophy in football to a footballer. It just is. It, it It's your, your country, it comes above a European Cup. To them, 
to us it doesn't you don't give an international football but to them it does do you think the world cup is having a mental effect because look at we you know i know lucho's not in the world cup with colombia but lucho's got injured diego jota matip is is injured constantly there are so many big names getting injured long-term injuries who dreams of playing in a world cup has came is now done the problem you put well you've created with putting the biggest trophy to a footballer in the middle of the season is no one wants to miss out on that it comes once every four years I think that has a slight effect on these players, which is probably why we're not seeing the top performances, which is a bit mad to think when you you think a lot of these players need to perform well to get into their teams. But Virgil van Dijk, no matter how he plays, is always going to be nailed on. Fabinho is always going to go to the World Cup. Whether he gets in the starting eleven or not, he's going to go that World Cup. You yeah. talk about a lot of our players who are in that World Cup. A lot of them are pretty much secure just based on their name to get in it. Do you think it's having an effect on the way we're playing? It's a difficult one. Uh, I'm not entirely sure it's having an effect on the way we're playing. Perhaps individually, there are a couple. Like, there's been a lot of question marks around Virgil van Dijk. And he'd be the one who, out of all of them, and I don't like saying this, you'd, you'd understand if it was playing on his mind. Obviously, what happened to him ahead of the Euros when he obviously had his, his knee ligaments and he wasn't able to go to the Euros with Holland. Um, and he'd recently been named Netherlands captain as well, sort of prior to that tournament. So it was a big one for him. And obviously he misses the whole thing. Um, so yeah, he'd be the one you'd go, if anyone out of him has an excuse to kind of think, God, I really want to be part of that World Cup. And maybe they, they are a little bit standoffish when it comes to sort of that 50-50. And like, oh, I don't really fancy that. Especially given what happened to him, like I say, any situation that even looks remotely like that Jordan Pickford one, Virgil van Dijk's going, not for me this time. Um, and you'd understand that even at the World Cup in many senses. I think when he returned from his injury, everyone was kind of cautious about what he'd look like and whether he'd be the same player. And I think he was for a large part, but there's no doubt about it. Like this season, you referenced him earlier, not engaging. He's hardly engaged in anything. I, there's jokes going around about him trying to defend with his aura, which he's been able to do because he's been that good for us. But people aren't, people don't seem scared by him anymore. People just seem like he's like a mere mortal now, and that's concerning in itself. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the other players, perhaps I mean the flip side of that is that we've seen like Roberto Firmino probably in peak form because he wants to be part of the Brazil setup. Like he's going to be part of the squad, but he's very rarely a starter. He's probably thinking, oh, I'm going to score an amount of goals that forces, I think it's Tete's hand, and I'm going to start. And you could say the same about Alisson as well, from Brazil perspective. Like, he's been absolutely superb this season, even though he blamed himself for the second goal against Leeds. He's been absolutely outstanding, and he's competing with Edison. So, there's two sides to these stories. You are right, like, as a professional, you know, you'd want them to be at the peak and sort of going 100% to earn their place in that World Cup squad. But there's definitely part of me that thinks a couple of players especially when you see Diogo Jota like cruelly ruled out of it like what a, what a shame for him like you know what I mean he does his calf and he's done World Cup over so as an onlooker you probably look at that and think oh like do I really want that to happen to me do I want to be the next one and you see it at other clubs as well like I think Varane did his something for United recently and he's probably out of the World Cup I think Bakayo Saka today for Arsenal has done something so yeah, it, it probably is playing a part. Um, but for me, like like we spoke about with the effort earlier, I hate questions and stuff like that when it comes to football. It doesn't sit right with me because I know what I'd be like if I was in that circumstance. 
I like to think they all give 100% all the time. I might be the naive one when it comes to that, though, to be honest. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. This podcast has probably gave me more uh, questions than answers. <laughs> Anyone. Uh, if 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 Jurgen Klopp could come up with the answer fairly soon, I'd absolutely love it. Uh, but that has been this therapy session, Ava. Nice one for listening. If you are on Spotify, please do give us a five-star rating. Uh, nice one to my guests. As always, we will be back. Um, and I'm talking about us next week for, for the podcast, but Liverpool will be back as well. Don't worry. Uh, I refuse to believe that Jurgen Klopp and these Reds will stay like this and be on a decline. I refuse to believe it. Um, and guess what? We don't need top four to get Champions League football. All you need to do is win the Champions League. Um, so, you know, why not finish it with a, a bit of hope, a bit of belief and a bit of positivity because we've had hardly any of that for the uh, previous half an hour. So, yeah, uh, nice one for listening. Let's get behind the Reds. Let's support them. And hopefully, you know, they can surprise us. Till the next one, up the Reds.